You are now listening to Cyber Time Bite, hosted by me, Stephen Clark. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey there, everybody. Um, it's your it's your uh, it's your boy Steve once again for episode one hundred and eight of Cyber Time Bite. Um, and today on the 100th episode, um, I got someone on here who's, uh, who's pretty cool, who is, uh, a, an editor for the pro, for prowrestlingstories.com, and, and an editor of many other things we'll get to that today. Today I'm with Evan, Evan Ginsberg of that website. How are you doing today? Hey Steven, how are you? Oh, I'm good. All right, so was I guess we could start it off. Um, what did you go to college for? Like, what was your degree that you went to college for? I was a English writing major, and uh, later that segued into education because my professors wrongly told us that we would never make a living as writers. So, <laughs> so with that inspiration, I segued into teaching, which uh, was always you know, a good thing to have. And uh, you know, even during a uh, coronavirus shutdown, you can teach online, et cetera. So uh, it wasn't the worst advice in the world, but I always tell young people, follow their dreams and uh, go for it and have a plan B as opposed to you just won't succeed. So go directly <laughs> to plan B. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that's ter- That's terrible. That's terrible advice. Who would, who would, what teacher tells their students you won't leave your dreams. Teachers plural, you know, look, it's a, it is not easy to make it in the arts, whether you're a writer filmmaker, singer, dancer, whatever the case may be. You know, the odds are against you, but I would never discourage people from giving 110%, you know, and uh, giving their all. And the people who are the most driven and have talent and have networking skills can put the pieces together. Usually it's not a... uh, you know, total package like that where people can put all the pieces together. So often you have good actors who are waiting tables in New York <laughs> when rest <laughs> when restaurants are actually open. Yeah. So yeah. So are you a wrestling fan or do you just work with a website that talks about wrestling stuff? I am a uh longtime wrestling fan. Um uh, although I am not huge on today's WWE, but uh, I like New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor and independent wrestling more so than uh, WWE's Kitty Show. So, so like, so I'm really, I'm sure you got behind the Genius Cast when that was still running. Oh yeah, Lanny Papa is a good friend of mine. He's uh, slept at our house, and uh, my wife loves Lanny. And uh, yeah, yeah, Lanny's a great guy, and he's always a great interview with. What's good about Lanny is he could talk about anything. He really is a brilliant guy and an eclectic guy. It's not limited to wrestling. Sometimes I'll meet people who are only wrestling fans, and 
It's numbing after a while. It's all they could talk about. Numbing. Well, um, so what's your favorite match? I know that's a hard question, but favorite match? Oh, I could tell you in a second. Uh, live Ric Flair against Ricky Steamboat at the Meadowlands. I mean, that was wrestling elevated to art. They went about 35 minutes, and it was just perfection. You mean the jet flying? That's right. Limousine riding. <laughs> styling and profiling. Yep, yep. Ric Flair in his day, boy. The charisma was off the charts. Off the charts. Man, you, you you don't get you don't get feel like Ric Flair anymore. <laughs> well, you know, wrestling today, I, I think Ric Flair in his prime had more charisma than the entire WWE locker room at this point. So, uh, well here, well here's a hot take. Do you think that if WWE really want to, because when I see like you know Bobby Roode, right? Yeah, sure. Does it? How much does he remind you of Shane Douglas? Doesn't he remind you of Shane Douglas? Yeah, Bobby Roode's a um, you know solid, solid wrestler. Um, I wouldn't say he's, he's Ric Flair charismatic, but uh, I always enjoyed Bobby Roode. I always enjoyed Shane Douglas. I don't think either of them are Ric Flair, but you know both. You know their body of work is excellent. I know they're, they're, they'll never be like you know like Ric Flair because you know Ric Flair is the, is the man, but like, well you you could you could have a thousand wrestlers you know out there and nine hundred ninety nine won't be Ric Flair, so it's just the way it is. Ric Flair, Terry Funk, Roddy Piper. I mean the charisma. I'd see I'd see these guys live and the building would shake. I mean the building would shake. So. Mm -hmm. uh, Yesterday, Dark Side of the Ring had the Road Warriors. Same thing. The charisma was unbelievable. So, you know, there's plenty of technically, you know, proficient, excellent wrestlers, but that charisma level is very rare. Very rare. Do you, um, let's see, what, um, what, what wrestlers do you, do you see, um, from like the past, you know, the eighties or the new generation era or the attitude era or the ruthless aggression era, the, like those past eras. Who do you right. think who do you think would make it today in today's wrestling like the like the most? Like, well, a guy like Flair would always make it because um, the charisma was just off the charts. Uh, same with Roddy Piper. I think it would be tougher for some of the average looking average sized guys who were good technicians back in the day they might not be as appreciated but um you know i see you know the all-time greats could just basically morph into what's needed a guy um a guy like chris jericho you know he's been around a long time but he just kind of changes his gimmicks changes his shtick changes his look and he always works. It doesn't matter. Chris Jericho is always going to add to any promotion, any show he's on because he's just got it. He's got. He's he's another total package. He could talk. He could wrestle. He could brawl. He's not a flyer, but he, he could basically do what's needed. Yeah, Jericho's the man. I mean, like he Jericho's he'll, awesome. Yeah, he he he'll, he'll he'll always innovate himself all the time. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean. Uh, 
the Jericho of 25 years ago is different than what he is today, but he's still great today. And he's 50-ish at this point. So, uh, yeah, Jericho's timeless. The guy's timeless. And, uh, you know, even when he goes to New Japan, I mean, you know, he has the he has the crowd in the palm of his hands. And I think AEW is great, too. Uh, even though I'm 103 years old, I get bored with the uh, old school fans, <laughs> the old school fans who go, there's been no good wrestling since the territories. I'm like, shut up. Come on. <laughs> no. Uh, you can watch New Japan, Okada and Kenny Omega, and they blow away 90% of the old school stuff. I mean, uh, this uh, there's been no good wrestling in 30 years. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Who do you, who do you like? I know this is like, this is like somewhat can be controversial, but who do you like better, Jim Cornette or, or Vince Russo? Um, I'm old school. I would certainly go with Jim Cornette. I mean, and uh, the funny thing is I've met Vince Russo. The guy's perfectly nice. And uh, he, he was very, very supportive of 350 Days, the uh, film I'm an associate producer on that we're very proud of. Vince Russo was very supportive. We're, you know, Jim Cornette's more like... Um, like I was associate producer on The Wrestler as well with Mickey Rourke. And, uh, you know, Jim Cornette's like, it makes us look bad. He's living in a trailer. And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of these guys do not end up well. They do not end up well. I know guys who sold out Madison Square Garden, ended up pushing a broom, or they're working a door at a strip club or, or, a, cl- or a bar or whatever the case may be. And um, they didn't end up well because, you know, partially the promoters are ruthless and a billionaire like Vince McMahon doesn't give them 401ks, pensions, you know, uh, health benefits, etc. And, you know, when, when, when after the movie's called 350 Days because guys like Ric Flair were wrestling 350 days a year, Greg Valentine, who's in the movie, told me, at his peak mid eighties, he was wrestling about 320 days a year. So it's not exaggerated whatsoever. And, um, you know, what does that do to your body? What does that do to your body taking bumps for 300 plus days a year? So uh, inevitably you're hurt. Okay. So now you're worried about losing your spot. So you keep going, even though you're in pain, I've had wrestlers tell me, Evan, every day of my life, I am in pain. Some of these guys are retired. They're still in pain. Okay. So you have no health benefits. What are you going to do? Some of them are going to resort to pain pills. So what happens next? There's an addiction for some of them. What happens next? There's a long trail of, you know, good-looking young corpses. Corpses. Okay? It's disgraceful. That billionaires do not take care of these wrestlers. Disgraceful. Yeah, it's it's just that that sounds that sounds really bad. I mean, like I didn't know it was that bad. I, I thought you know there was 150 plus wrestlers who who died young, you know, uh, for a variety of reasons. But that's one of the primary reasons, you know, pain pill addictions and you know combinations with other drugs and steroids, etc., so on. But um, if you're in pain and you're expected to perform, you know, what are you going to do? It's, uh, it's the nature of the beast. Well, 
how about giving these guys off seasons like any other athlete? You know, it's interesting. Wrestlers hate the word fake. Okay. Is it predetermined? Of course. Is it booked? Of course. They hate the word fake though. Why? They go, my hip replacement wasn't fake. My three divorces weren't fake because I was never home. My uh, kids not talking to me because I wasn't there for their graduation. I wasn't there for their wedding. I wasn't there for whatever isn't fake. So um, anytime I do an interview, anytime, uh, you know, what, whatever the case may be, I, I try to put this out there. And I'm glad that John Oliver on HBO and other people have started to put it out there. And even today, you know, these guys are wrestling with the coronavirus. I, I'm watching UFC the other night, and yeah. I, I'm looking I'm looking at the octagon. Some of the guys have masks on. Some of the guys don't have masks on. <laughs> They're all surrounding each other in this small area. And, and just logically, I'm going, I don't know how safe this is. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you know... These guys are human beings with families, with kids. You know, they're, they're not the cartoon characters that these promoters portray them to be. And when they die, you know, people grieve. They grieve. And, uh, you know, yeah, really basically, basically these guys are discarded like farm animals at some point. Did you... Um... Did you, was Mr. Perfect one of your favorites? Mr. Perfect was great. Guy was great. He died young too. He was in his 40s. I believe he was 44. So, um, you know, there you go. As great, as great a wrestler as ever stepped foot in the ring. Tremendous wrestler, tremendous gimmick, tremendous charisma. Again, a perfect, a perfect package. Mr. Perfect was the perfect name for him because the guy was flawless. Flawless. You and I'm jaded. I, I'm going to wrestling since 1974. If I say somebody's great, I'm impressed. Seriously. Yeah, because no, Mr. Perfect is my guy. He's my favorite. Oh, yeah. The, the perfect combination of gimmick, talent, and charisma. Very unusual. Very unusual. So so, um, so since you live in New York, you obviously have been the Madison Square Garden How's it like there? Like, how's that area like? Because I've never been to New York. I've never been in oh. the area of MSG. How's that like? You mean geographically? No, no. Like, like how's like how's it like outside the arena? In the arena, is it like? Is it like? It's a very busy area. It's um, right in Mid Manhattan, thirty third, thirty fourth Street, and um, there's thousands of people and. Uh, the railroad and the subway is right beneath Madison Square Garden. So it's always hustling and bustling. And you're outside and they have these giant signs, you know, and all the events that are coming up. It's just a very exciting vibe out there, especially, you know, if you're going to a boxing match or a wrestling match or a big time concert, you know, and it holds 20,000 or so people, depending on the event, everyone's scaled differently. 15 to 20,000 and um, it could be electric in there, you know, depending on what you're seeing. Um, going back to the seventies and the eighties, when a Bruno Sammartino, superstar Billy Graham, Roddy Piper walked to the ring without, without 
yeah. theme music or pyro. <laughs> it was the building would shake. The Valiant Brothers, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, Iron Sheik at their peak. I mean, the building would shake, would shake. Jimmy Snooker. I mean, I was there when Snooker jumped off the cage on Morocco. I was there when Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid showed up, and it's early 80s, and we're sitting there, and we didn't know what hit us. We were like, what is this? We had no idea. It was like 10 years ahead of its time, you know, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask. So, you know, Madison Square Garden back in the day was electric. Okay, shoot ahead to 2019. My buddy gives me a comp for SmackDown. I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, uh, it's a sea of kiddies, little kids with their parents, okay? It's no longer the blue-collar adult wrestling that I was accustomed to. It's little kids, mm -hmm. okay? The theme music hits. They pop like it's Pavlov's dogs. The wrestlers come out. They do their three, four, five, six, seven, eight minutes. Blaring noise. It's all like a meaningless blur, like a meaningless blur. And I'm sitting there going, this is penance for sins I committed in previous lifetimes. <laughs> and before it was over, I'm like, I got to get out of here. Because I'm thinking Bruno, Billy Graham, Roddy Piper, and everybody else, that this is actually upsetting me. It's mediocrity packaged, you know, it's, it's basically a circus, a circus. And again, you know, if an AJ Styles or somebody comes out and puts on a great match, that I appreciate. That I do appreciate. I would say on every WWE pay-per-view, they'll have 17 matches, including the pre-shows, but there's always the two or three or four quality matches that I do acknowledge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, same thing. What I think is great in WWE is NXT takeovers. I think they're tremendous because they emphasize wrestling, not not a circus. Yeah, they really. Yeah, NXT really. Uh, I think NXT is like the wrestling show in the company right yeah. now, and Raw, and people look at Raw and SmackDown as, eh. <laughs> and that's sports entertainment, but it's it's wrong terminology because it's not entertaining it's not entertaining and their comedy bits are not funny it's a genre unto itself comedy that isn't funny so i i i literally can't watch raw anymore it's like painful to me especially with the empty arena it's painful i just i can't watch it can't watch it how about uh did you like nitro and thunder and ECW and TNN in Hardcore TV. Did you like those oh, shows? Sure, sure. ECW. Let me let me let me break down ECW. Um, people always think about the flaming tables and the brawling. It was yeah, it was great. I mean, I saw Terry Funk and Sabu. It was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen live. Um, what I think was the pinnacle of ECW was Eddie Guerrero and uh, Dean Malenko having a one-hour draw. I said, that's art. That's art. It's when you got to, like, the third flaming table. <laughs> you know, it's like, it becomes, like, the law of diminishing values at that point. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. 
But do you? But you like DCW, right? I like DCW. I I went regularly to the Philly shows. I went. Oh, you were you were a you were a normal at the arena. Um, I was there monthly for quite a while, and then, like I said, it, it got it got to be like a bit predictable. Let's go to the tables, and now you have two tables, and you have three tables. Now the tables are on fire. <laughs> it was like, okay, I've seen this already. And you know, New York to Philly isn't around the corner; it's a trip. So then they started to have it in Queens at the Elks Lodge, and I went there pretty regularly. But again, you know, by the time of its demise, I think it had kind of lost its novelty. And I know this is sacrilege to the you know, hardcore fans. But again, Terry Funk, Sabu, I love the gangsters, just for like sheer chaos, public enemy. You know, I enjoyed I enjoyed all of it. I mean, uh, Shane Douglas was great. Taz, you know, all these guys. Um, Tommy Dreamer, you know, I, I'm not being critical. I'm just giving you an honest answer, my reaction to the whole thing. Yeah. So like, um, how about uh, WCW? Did you go on Nitro? WCW, same thing. Same exact thing. It started out great, you know, and then all of a sudden they're bringing in the Luchadors, which was great, and uh, the light, the guys who weren't quote-unquote heavyweights, the Eddie Guerreros and, uh, you know, guys, Rey Mysterios and guys like that. And, and it was great. But by the time they got down to when the NWO had 137 members and their moms, it was already, this is done. It's done. You know, put a fork in it. Yeah. Well, were, well were, were you like, Nitro better come to the, better come to the garden one day? Well, that, that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, they had a WCW show at the Felt Forum, which was the smaller building at the garden. And it was disappointing. To be honest, it was disappointing. And, um, you know, I, I it, it was kind of like, um, again, too many cooks. There was no, there was no direction, you know. It was, once that NWO just, like, became everything, it, it, was, it was past its expiration date, as they say. <laughs> yeah. the, the bread was starting to grow the mold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, look, I'm glad it happened. I mean, the Monday Night Wars, the competition. Um, I'm glad guys like Eddie Guerrero got a worldwide showcase and it led to bigger and better things. But, you know, it's a long time ago already. And now you turn on WWE and it's stultifying, stultifying. So um, I hope AEW is successful. What... Um... Go, the, go ter, making the turn back into your own career for a little bit. Um, what what is some of the best stuff you think you ever ever made through the stuff that you made? Well, it depends what your definition of make is. I mean, we made a movie called Wrestling Then and Now, which you can watch on Amazon Prime. Nikolai Volkov, Don Dr. Death Arnold, uh, Homicide. Um, Killer Kowalski, and we made it on pennies. I mean, but we made that movie, so we're very proud of it, and you can see it. You know, it's it's not 
it's it's not slick it's not polished it was ultra low budget but it's from the heart mm-hmm. and when you make things you make it from the heart i was hired to work on the wrestlers so you know i don't know if you <laughs> you wouldn't define it as, as i made it but i certainly participated in the credibility of it because i was basically the wrestling guy we did five or six casting calls that i set up i brought in mickey rock's stunt double the ring etc so on um i brought in ron killings romeo rizzelli um necro butcher i brought in necro butcher i mean uh Mm -hmm. so i was very proud of it and when the smoke cleared I think Mickey's performance is iconic. Iconic. I think people will watch that movie a hundred years from now. And um, when he goes, I'm just a broken down piece of meat. That's like Marlon Brando and on the waterfront. I could have been a contender. I mean, it, it's, you know, you'll never see a better performance than what Mickey did in that movie. And a lot of it was improv. And I acted with him in one scene. So a hundred years from now, you know, there I'll be, and, you know, that means a lot to me also. So um, we also did 350 days. and um, So, again, you know, yeah, it depends what the definition of make is. I was hired. I'm not the director. But, you know, my participation, you know, I, I found a lot of footage, a lot of uh, photographs, a lot of things that added to the credibility of the movie. For those who aren't familiar with it, um, we build Bret Hart and superstar Billy Graham as the stars because they have a lot of screen time, but there's three dozen legends in there. Ted DiBiase, Greg Valentine, Lanny Poffo, George Steele. About a dozen of these guys are gone. They're gone, uh, you know? So there you, there you are again, preserving history. Um, George Steele is gone. Nikolai is gone. You know, a lot of these guys in the film, you know, um, are just not with us anymore. And we're proud of it. You can watch it free on Amazon Prime, on Tubi. Um, you can buy a DVD or Blu-ray, 350daysthemovie.com. But, um, you know, again, if you create art, if you create quality work, you know, that's going to survive. I mean, uh, WWE is a billion dollar corporation and a lot of their movies, you know, just doesn't do much for me. There were a few. Fighting with my family is a quality film. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one uh, with Ed Harris and, and Randy Orton. I forget the name of it. That was a quality film. But I don't think the world's, you know, desperate for the Marine 17. I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, it's just a choice. And, you know, if I'm going to invest many, many years in a project, people have no idea what goes into making a quality film. We, the wrestler was seven years from start to finish, from, from the first call to the completion of that movie. It was seven years. 350 days was six years. And much of that is the business side of it. People have no idea. You're trying to get funding. You're trying to get distribution. Of course, casting, rewriting scripts, you know, various legal issues. You know, I don't mean anything bad, but everything, 
every photo has to be, you know, you know, signed for, you know, contracted. You know, yeah, people have yeah. no idea what goes into making a movie. So um, when the smoke clears and when it's a quality film, you know, you're proud of it. It's like giving birth to a baby in a sense. And uh, you put it out there in the world and the wrestler was critically acclaimed. 350 Days was critically acclaimed. And you're never go it's never going to be 100% I love this thing because people are people. We'll get, for example, obsessive wrestling fans who will watch either or and go, I knew all that from the tooth interviews I've watched. And I'm like, genius, that's not why this movie was made. This movie was made for a general audience, not an obsessive fan. So, uh, so, so uh, how you felt when Mickey Rourke showed up on Dota television to talk about the movie? <laughs> and what, which television? No, remember when, oh, WWE. Yeah, remember when Mickey York was, I think it was WrestleMania time, and he was like, he showed up. Yeah, well, you know, none of us got rich from the movie. It's a low-budget indie. So I was happy for any payday, any success, any publicity the guy got. I never saw him say no to a fan for an autograph, for a picture. The guy couldn't be any nicer, and uh, God bless him. I mean, I wish him nothing but the best, and uh, he sent everybody a thank you card after the movie was done. He's a gracious guy, and uh, I liked him very much. And uh, his real payday for uh, the wrestler was really Iron Man 2. He got a million bucks, and uh, – he, he was hot off of the wrestler. That was really the payday because, like I said, you know, nobody was making millions of dollars off of a uh, uh, – the wrestler was budgeted at $6 million, which is basically the food budget on the Avengers, <laughs> oh, okay, man. if people really understand film. Yeah, that, I mean, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure the budget for the Avengers is a lot higher, so I'm pretty sure you can pay for everyone's lunch, the whole crew in the actor's lunch with that amount. <laughs> yeah, the Avengers is probably $200 million. We were $6 million, okay? So, uh, but, you, but, you, but from what I've seen from the film, because I, I haven't seen the whole film, but I've seen a little bit of it because, you know, it's, it was all over the place at one point. But, like, but like it... It looked like a, you looked like you did great with six million dollars in your hand. The re the wrestler's been out for um, twelve years. You haven't seen it yet. Well, I mean, it was just. It, I mean, like I, I haven't, I haven't just haven't gotten around to it. I'm just messing with you. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like, uh. What's the well? I guess I should put it this way. I what I was trying to tell you earlier. So what's the what's your favorite thing that you wrote, but had never been like produced? Um, I'm working on a book right now. Wrestlers, rappers, and porn queens. My surreal journey through show business. <laughs> Some of the interesting people I've met worked with in various capacities. So that has yet to be produced because it has yet to be finished. So I guess that would be uh, the correct answer. All right. That, that's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, now, this is, now this is an off-topic question, off-brand sure. question, but back in the day, were you a D&D &D person? Dungeons & Dragons? No, no, never, never. Um... 
in college, you know, I like video games and I go back to the pinball era. That's how old I am, but uh, never Dungeons and Dragons, no. Yeah, you're 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 always saying when you're younger, you always hit the arcade and hit the pinball machines. And- yeah, back in those days, they had pinball arcades. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like home video. Um, I go back to the pre-internet days, pre-cell phone days. I was at Gotch Hackenschmidt in 1908. I was the baby third row center. It's a joke. He's doing yeah. the math. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, that no, that's funny. <laughs> Yes. Um, how long? I'm, I'm guessing you grew up in, lived in New York your whole life, right? Yes, you could tell by the Brooklyn accent. Yes. What? Now I'm from Chicago, and you know our pizza's the best. <laughs> um, I've been to Chicago, and I like I love that deep pan pizza. Is that what you call it? No, deep dish. Deep dish pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only been to Chicago once, and it was a while ago. But yeah, I, I, it's delicious. I mean, um, it's it, it's the old expression: apples and oranges. We have great pizza in New York. You guys have great pizza. You know, it's 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 subjective, which is better. But uh, yeah. But you, but you guys but you guys like fold your pizza. Like, why do you fold your pizza? <laughs> um, I don't know the tradition. We in New York, it's funny if we see somebody eating pizza with a fork. You know, and like cutting it with a knife, we go. That's really lame. That, that we look down on that. The folding we're used to. I don't. I, I don't know the tradition behind it. But... Yeah, I mean, like, um, but like, if if you had to choose between your your own state, like New York pizza and ours, which one? Which one do you like better? Um, I would say yours would be more of a novelty to me because like i said i've only been there once so i probably savor it and enjoy it more in new york you just gobble it down because you're hungry (laughs) so you're not even paying attention yeah i mean i mean yeah i mean like that's what um what's that place sabaro's that mall pizza that's what they're supposed to be inspired off the new york pizza from what I heard, so I guess that's how it's that, like. That I don't know. There's some guy with it, like a major pizza website and cult following. I forget his name. And he goes into like every pizza place in New York and reviews it. Like uh, I give this three and a half stars because it's uh, you know tasty on the palate, but you know with like <laughs> great gravitas. He yeah. goes into like each place's pizza, but uh, hey, whatever turns you on, you know. So, uh, have you ever been to Times Square? Um, hundreds, if not thousands of times. Lifelong New Yorker, yeah. We used to have a club, BB Kings, a great music club, and uh, went there hundreds of evenings, yeah. No, the, no, the reason I ask is because I don't know, like, like maybe you haven't made to that part of town yet, like, in your life, because, cause, you know, Times Square, you know, even though if you live there, some people haven't been there yet. Even though- oh, yeah. You talk to New Yorkers. Some of them have never been to the Statue of Liberty or the Empire State Building because they just take it for granted. If you're a tourist, these are the places you hit. But, you know, Times Square, um, they have a lot of legitimate theaters. And, you know, if you're into the arts, one way or the other, you're going to find your way to Times Square. What? um no, I've seen it on TV like over a million times, but I've never seen it in person. Uh, were you there when the Dodai had their restaurant there? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was um, a big financial loss from what I understand. And, uh, you know, that went under a long time ago. Have, have you have you ever been to, to have you been to the Nitro Grill and WWF New York before? Um, I went to WWF New York once or twice for various functions. I, I don't remember going to the uh, Nitro Grill. Yeah, because because um, I never met anyone who because I know about WWF New York. And I know people who went and others like you know people who are older than me who. Uh, he watched wrestling back in the day, been there, but I never met anyone who's been to the Nitro Grill, but that was only in Vegas, so. Oh, yeah, no, I, I never went there. I've only, I've only been to Vegas once. No. I'm surprised it didn't open it up in Georgia. You know, the company's from Georgia, so it probably would have been smart to open up their own restaurant in Georgia. WCW should have done a lot of things differently, because <laughs> then they'd be here. <laughs> yeah. You'd still be around, I would love it. That's right. Um... So what what is your favorite like if we're if we're gonna take an ECW out of the equation, which which one was like your favorite that you liked watching the most? That was the WWE or was it WCW? It was NWA. It was uh the NWA came to Philly every month, Baltimore, um Jersey on occasion, and best live wrestling I ever saw was um NWA mid to late eighties. Road Warriors, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, Four Horsemen, Dusty, Magnum, The Russians. Um, unbelievable. They had guys like Billy Graham and Jimmy Valiant mid-card. That's how talent-laden the uh, promotion was. It was just a tremendous, tremendous uh, promotion. And live, those shows were unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, that turned to crap, too, <laughs> just like WWE. I mean, later on when WCW uh, corporatized it or whatever the word that would be. So, like, um, is, like, like do, you, like, do you think that territory wrestling can come back if it really wanted to? Or do you think territory wrestling is completely dead? Um... We're in uncharted territory now with this pandemic and uh, being in New York where we're at the ep epicenter, you know, we kind of judge everything by this pandemic and you have specialists saying there may not be a vaccine for one to two years. So who knows what's going to happen with anything and history does tend to repeat itself. So it's possible that there'll be some kind of territory system again. I mean, there's a zillion and one indies, but I would guesstimate that 98% of them are not financially successful. And that's my wife walking back and forth in the background. Yeah, she doesn't realize she's on an interview. So um, um, the answer to your question is anything's possible because we're in weird territory. I mean, Disney, could buy WWE and you'll have Becky Lynch against Snow White at the next WrestleMania. Oh, no. I mean, oh, seriously. I mean, you don't know where any of this is going at this point. So, uh, oh, God. If, if Disney buys out WWE, they, oh, man. They'll, they'll, they'll probably, like, the, like, the network would probably still be around or, or they'll probably 
conjoin it with Disney Plus. Yeah, it's uh, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to Goofy versus Randy Orton at the next uh, pay per view. And... <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Why? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you think this is corporate schlock no. now, imagine. No, the guy, no, the the guy who killed Bambi's mom versus versus uh, uh, Braun Otis. Strowman. O- yeah. Otis versus Bambi's mom's killer. <laughs> yeah. no. the, the, the matchups are unlimited. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's a weird time. It's a weird time. I, I saw something online today saying. If you're an indie promoter and you risk the lives of your talent to run, you know, you're doing a disservice to the industry. So, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I think what you, I think what you're definitely going to see and you're seeing it already is more, more cinematic wrestling like AJ Styles at WrestleMania with the undertaker and stuff like that. I think, that's natural because there's only so much you can do in the ring. I mean, these guys are playing to the crowd and there's no crowd. It's stultifying. Stultifying. Well, if you watch Money in the Bank, they were playing the Vince McMahon literally in his office. Yeah. So again, that goes back to my point that it's comedy that's not funny. <laughs> yeah. So... um so after everything you've done in like the past, like all the stuff you made and everything, like what is your, like, are you satisfied with everything you've done up to this point? Um, no, because um, no matter how old you are, you have X amount of years ahead of you and you always want to create. You always want to do more. Um, I have 30 years of radio and TV I've done. I'd like to have that archived and preserved. And J.P. Zark is talking about that with me um, down the road. I mean, I've done interviews with so many legends that are gone. Sherry Martel, Eddie Guerrero, Luthez, Fred Blassie. I don't want to bore you with an endless list, but, you know, this is, you know, real history. And uh, I interviewed Eddie Guerrero three weeks or so after his partner, Art Barr, was found dead in a hotel room, he's sobbing on air, sobbing. And, and years later, he was carried out of a hotel room, okay? So, you know, um, there's a lot of history that I've captured on film, radio, TV, etc. And I'd like to see it preserved in some capacity. Um, as an older guy who was not weaned on computers and technology, you know, this has always been kind of an Achilles heel. So, um, you know, I wish I had better. I have enough skills to do an interview with you on Zoom. I don't have enough skills to archive 30 years worth of content. (laughs) So, uh, but it does exist. It exists in my closet right now. So that's a goal for the future also. What kind of, um, oh, since you've done radio, what, what kind of music do you listen to? I like R&B, blues, jazz, funk, Afro pop, Zydeco, anything that's good, anything that's good. And again, going back to um, older folk who do, 
There's been no good music since the Beatles. Just shut up. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Please. You're embarrassing yourself. Okay? So uh, I'll listen to anything that's good. I probably go to three dozen concerts a year, every possible genre. I enjoy hip-hop. I enjoy anything that's good. Another thing with, uh, you know, rap isn't music. No, you're an idiot. You, you don't understand the concept of what music is. Public Enemy is as legitimate, as legitimate, you know, a band with live instruments on stage, no less. Okay, uh, you know, et cetera, so on. I mean, what people don't grasp is for 50 years, quote unquote, top 40 has always been mostly schlock. Okay, yeah. okay. So you have to have an ear and explore and find quality artists and independent artists that are worth finding. And they're out there, believe me. I, when I do radio, it's not just wrestling radio. I do arts. I, I have I have a show um, right now called Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast. And uh, if you listen to the title, it's Wrestling and Everything. You should interview the guy we had on last week. His name is Pete Bregman. This guy's an animator. He, he's a video game uh, creator. He's a... Uh, former wrestler, etc., so on. This guy's an interesting guy. And these are the kind of people we talk to, and we talk to them about everything. And uh, that's on YouTube. Um, it, it comes out weekly, every uh, weekend. And, you know, again, we're interviewing interesting, eclectic people who just don't numbingly go. Sometimes we'll have, sometimes an, an indie wrestler will know nothing but wrestling. And they'll go, I wrestled for WWA, WWB, WWC, WWD. And like your eyes are rolling in your head after a while. So <laughs> it's always good to have somebody with diverse, eclectic interests if you're doing a show such as yours. Because believe it or not, kids, believe it or not, there's a lot of things in life besides pro wrestling. Do, um are you a are you a listener of Q one hundred four point three your your guys's classic rock station? Um, no, no. Like I said, I'm more R and B, jazz, blues oriented. I'm a white guy who blew up in, who grew up in a black neighborhood, so I'm more my ears are more in tune to uh, to that. So 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 you're like so you like listen to like Kenny G sometimes. No, <laughs> that, that's more like elevator music. <laughs> elevator music. I, listen, I like more like George Clinton and uh, P-Funk. It's, it's not quite Kenny G. Kenny G is very popular in China, by the way. They love Kenny G in China. Yeah. Uh, or as you would say, get like get that out of here. <laughs> no, I mean, look, the, guy, the guy's uh, a solid musician. It just uh, doesn't you know, do much for me personally. Um, so what, uh, what stations have you worked for in radio and TV? I work for WBAI FM 99.5 Pacifica for 16 years. My radio mentor was named Fred Giobold. And, um, 
you know, it was an education. It was very uh, left-wing, liberal. And um, later I moved to um, Madhouse TV, which was internet TV. And um, I was at Village Connection, where the owner is much more right-wing, which wasn't always the greatest match, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, and... Um, Right now, uh, we're doing um, we're doing a show on Skype, just you know, like you're doing it on Zoom, and I'm seeing more and more of this because of this pandemic. And when I finally leave my apartment in 2027, I'll have a strong body of work. <laughs> okay, <laughs> joking, but um, yeah. So, uh, so like. Um... <laughs> Uh, what what got you uh what what made, what got you connected with J with JP the work on prowrestlingstories.com like how did that start? Um, JP was doing quality quality work, leaning more towards history, where he cared about the writing, where where writing actually mattered, unlike many sites which are a bombardment of information you know um overzealous a lot of these websites are an overzealous reviewing of a meaningless raw let's go over every match every angle every result let's analyze it you know uh i just never got into that there are guys that do move by move reviews of Roar and SmackDown. I'm like, God, I, I kill me now, kill me now. I, I can't, I can't read this. I can't watch this, you know. So JP set his sights far, far higher. Much respect, and this is what I tell everybody: do something different. Find your niche or niche, however you care to pronounce it and do something that will stand the test of time. JP will do a well-researched article with feeling, with feeling. Now, God forbid you put feelings into <laughs> wrestling writing, feelings. okay? And it'll stand the test of time. He can run these articles forever. I've written articles for JP on what it was like to sit at Madison Square Garden when a Bruno San Martino walked down the aisle because a lot of the younger guys are going, well, he was just punching and kicking. If you weren't there, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. I mean, what? no, he wasn't Harley Race or Nick Bockwinkle or uh, Ricky Steamboat. He wasn't the great technical wrestler that these guys were. But let me tell you, the charisma was off the chart and – People loved that man. They loved that man. He wasn't a cartoon to them, okay? So uh, when, when Bruno lost the belt at Madison Square Garden to Ivan Koloff, I wasn't there, uh, but everybody that was there said you could hear a pin drop and people were crying, crying, okay? Oh, man. So, uh, you know... So if you weren't there and you're just judging it on, well, I would only give that match three three and a quarter stars or whatnot, 
they 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 didn't get it because the Bruno would make a comeback much like Hogan years later, and the place would just erupt. I was I was at a, a, a match Bruno against Billy Graham, and uh, Gorilla Monsoon was the referee. So Graham all of a sudden goes like this, and he quits, and he goes back to the dressing room. So Billy Graham runs into the dressing room, throws Monsoon over his shoulder, dumps him back into the ring. It was a roar like you could hear it 10 blocks away. I mean, today they would have to do 87 high spots to get half the reaction that Monsoon did dumping Graham back in the ring. I mean... So it's hard for younger fans to really grasp that. And, uh, you know, they're judging it from like a whole different, uh, you know. Look, I love AJ Styles. I love uh, Cesaro. I love these guys, you know, Okada, Kenny Omega. These guys are unbelievable. Tanahashi, yeah. unbelievable. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, the sheer charisma of a Bruno is hard to grasp on an old film that you're watching on YouTube. It really is. So, so like, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you like, Oh, I know how it's like, because I don't know how it's like. I wasn't there for like when Bruno San Martino was in his prime and everyone was shaking up the building. But But if you, if you go to see, let's say new Japan in the States or even Japan, and you see an Okada or a Kenny Omega who has incredible charisma and the fans are totally into it, you are experiencing something on that level. If you're at Wrestle Kingdom and there's 40,000 people watching Okada in a five-star match, or as Meltzer would say, a six- or seven-star match, you're experiencing it because the you could feel it. You could feel it. You know, I'll go to uh, see like Randy Orton live in 2020, and I'm numb, <laughs> numb. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. I think I think the closest to that feeling I ever got was when. Remember, remember when they did the Australia show and they came back to Chicago for Raw? No, because <laughs> it's all a meaningless blur to me, Raw. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all right. But what happened was that they did their they did their super their, uh, their super show in Australia, and then that following Monday they came here to Chicago for the for the Raw that Monday, and um, DX came back like they like they came back and they they were challenging Undertaker and Kane to the match at the at the Saudi show, right. and and. When DX when they ripped off their shirts and showed those DX shirts, the building went crazy. Yeah, those guys those guys had legitimate charisma. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. You know, you can't manufacture charisma. Okay, McMahon can push Baron Corbin from here to tomorrow. You know, he he's not. Shawn Michaels. I mean, no matter how hard you push him, he's just not, and he's never going to be. And, you know, people are what they are. And, uh, again, a total package like an undertaker who has charisma, has a great gimmick, can also wrestle. He's a total package, and, and that's few and far between. You can, McMahon has this body, beautiful 
you know, cookie cutter. They all have to look, you know, like this perfect male model thing. And a lot of these guys have no charisma. Zero. Zero. You know, six pack of abs doesn't make you a great wrestler. So, um, what, what's your, um, I guess this is our goofy question, but, um, what, what's your favorite, what's your favorite, uh, place, what's your favorite place to go? Like, 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 what's like, do you like going to like a little ice cream shop down the corner? Like, or something like uh, that? My favorite, my favorite place to go is, um, the BAM Brooklyn Academy of Music R&B Fest. Um, it's a annual festival of great bands uh, leaning towards R&B, but not, I just love that place. You know, it's, uh, you put me in a great live concert, you know, you forget everything that's going on and you just, uh, you know, Lincoln Center out of Doors Fest, Summer Stage. I, I don't know if these names mean anything to you. You're, you're a thousand miles from me, but, you know, a great music festival, you know, where people are happy, every age, every race, creed, color, you know, everybody's getting along. Nobody's fighting like on Facebook 24-7. You know, it's just um, a happy, happy place. I love going to indie shows, you know, local indie shows for wrestling. You know, it's kind of like my uh, cheers. Everybody knows you. They're happy to see you. They know you're supportive. And uh, I get in the ring. I do indie heel managing. Um, which you could probably tell from some of the obnoxious <laughs> things I've said this interview. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, yeah, there's, there's places where you're just happy, where it's an escape. You know, the uh, internet is not an escape. The news is not an escape. In fact, in New York, it's basically a nightly casualty report. Um, last night, quote, unquote, only... 188 people died from the virus only how sad man how sad it was 800 plus a couple of weeks ago every night in new york this is what you go to sleep to so yeah put me at a concert put me at an indie wrestling show put me at a boxing show put me somewhere where you know all you're all you're thinking about is what you're watching and enjoying and uh yeah that's why people go out that's why people uh and God knows when that's going to happen again. I mean, is the they, is the pa is the pandemic so bad in New York right now? You, like they like you like you'll get like arrested if you step two steps outside your house right now. Is that how bad it is? No, no, no. It's not like martial law. But if you're not wearing a mask, if you're not wearing gloves, people will look at you, get angry. You know, it's serious here. I mean, it, it's, we, basically the entire news is about the uh, pandemic. And, um, you know, they'll throw in a weather report and you go, who cares? I'm not going out anyway. That's how bad it is. It's going to be 80 degrees on Friday, though. That's nice if I choose to walk to the supermarket with a mask and gloves. and uh, But uh, it's not like you're going to go to a, have a beach day here. It's... Um, it, you know, basically, we're told to stay home unless unless you're essential workers or, uh, you know, need food. <laughs> Everybody needs to eat. So you have to go to the grocery store or whatnot. 
I hear I hear you guys in New York have great delis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These old school Jewish delis, great. Yeah. What's yeah. um, what's um, what's your favorite deli in New York? Um, Carnegie Hall deli was always good. Katz's, um, Katz's on the Lower East Side is a tourist destination. They've been there over a hundred years, I believe. When Harry met Sally, was did a scene in there. Katz's, K A T Z. Ask not that they need my publicity. It's a huge, huge uh, outfit. But um, yeah, um, the old school, you know, deli sandwiches in New York. You know, it's packed. Yeah, it's that's a treat. You're making me hungry, man. It's like, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> nah, okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna make your own that supermarket one way or another. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm gonna have to like uh, put on the hazmat suit and uh, go get some deli. That's probably the safest way to be walking around these days. I know. I know people working in hospitals. They look like they're going on a, a space mission. It's really sad. It really, um, they wear those outfits, and uh, oh my god, the subways are horrendous. And um, this is not a happy place. Uh, 2020, New York City. That's what. That's why uh, I'm happy to do interviews like this. It distracts me for a while. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. So, um, uh, I don't know how close you live to Times Square, but like, but like, um, could you actually when when they do the New Year's Eve thing every year where they drop the ball? Can you hear yeah. it from your house? No, no, no. Um, we have five boroughs in Queens: uh, Manhattan, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Brooklyn. And uh, I don't live in Manhattan itself. Manhattan itself is uh, very, very expensive. It's kind of a playground for the rich. The average rent for a one-bedroom apartment, you're going to fall out of your chair, is um, about 3800 a month. 3800 a month for a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan. So many of us live in the outer boroughs just because it's significantly cheaper. So, um, so like, do you, um, do you actually go to the, like, since you're a concert guy and a live and a, and a wrestling guy and like going to live things, do you actually, do you, are you one to go to that, to those, to that ball drop every year? No, no, no. Again, if you're a New Yorker, that's like one of the things you take for granted. <laughs> so you don't go. It's like, it's always there. I'll, I'll do it next year. And then you never end up doing it. So that's more for tourists. Um, yeah, you know, generally in New York, New Year's Eve is bitterly cold, bitter cold. You have to get there like five o'clock. You're standing there till midnight. You're basically trapped, you know. God forbid you have to go to the bathroom. You're in trouble. I mean, and I'm not a kid anymore. So to, to stand for seven hours, you know, just really doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could see you're a tourist, you're 20 years old, it's something exciting. Uh, and hopefully 2021 will be a better year than 2020. So, um, yeah, I could see, I could see, um, you know, if this pandemic's still going on, I don't even think they'll allow it this year. They're not going to, they're not going to put tens of thousands of people out in the street together like that. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean... It's, I mean, like the this pandemic is like, do, like, do you know how when we moved from like ninety nine to two thousand, we had Y two Y two K, 
Yeah, but that was a work. This this is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel like I feel like the COVID thing is this. It's this new decades thing that that's like that's like the Y two K from ninety nine to two thousand. Y two K. The myth was everything was going to shut down. We're really shut down in New York. <laughs> We're really shut down. The schools, the restaurants, the gyms, the movie theaters. It's no joke. I mean. Uh, this is basically house arrest. Yeah, you, you're, you're gov- yeah, I see your governor on our on our uh, on our news station every day going like, this, like like everyone got to stay home. Oh yeah, yeah, they don't play. It's um, so people have to understand. For example, when nine eleven happened, it happened to New York and Washington. Just because somebody lives a thousand miles away or three thousand miles away, it doesn't mean it's not very, very, very real. Because <laughs> it's you know it's real to us. I basically sat in a one-bedroom apartment for the past two months. You know, it's not glamorous, except to go to the supermarket, drugstore, maybe brief takeout food or whatnot. <laughs> you know, where you could pick up lunch or dinner. You know, you can't even sit there. You're not allowed to sit in these places. So um, it's basically think um, like everything you possibly enjoy being suddenly taken away from you and you're stuck in an apartment. I know people sitting in 300 square feet studio apartments right now, basically climbing the walls. The suicide rate has doubled in Queens, New York, doubled. That's how serious this is. In two months. What happens if this goes on for two years? Spousal abuse, divorces, suicides, relapses into addictions. This this is not a happy scenario, at least in New York and other places that are hit very, very hard. So, uh, you know, you have to um, take it seriously. And not everybody does. And... um, you know, I think there's going to be real repercussions for the people who don't take it seriously. And, you know, uh, viruses don't discriminate. They don't care Republican, Democrat, young, old. You know, there's kids getting this virus. Yeah, sure. Older people with poor immune systems will get it more frequently. But there's kids getting it, too. It's um, it's no joke. You know, I've seen babies die. Uh, you know, they have it uh, on the news here. Babies. So um, it's it's not like bummed out all your viewers. <laughs> anyway. No, it's fine. Yeah, but no, I mean like um, but uh, what I'm trying to say um, yeah, we've been going for an hour, by the way. But for the for the for the last question, I I want to ask um, do you think the doctor? Do you think they're working hard on a cure for this virus? Do you think there's any effort in making a cure this thing at all right now? Oh, yeah. They, they said there's 108 different vaccines. They're hoping that one of the 108 actually work, you know, the trials for these vaccines. Um, they say they're working frantically, furiously, but one doctor after another is saying it most likely will not happen in 2020, and it likely will happen in 2021. I mean, you know, Tuberculosis exists in, in the world today, but it's just, 
you know, much, much, much less. I mean, you know, um, there's various diseases that are under control, but they still exist. This could very well be a similar scenario where one day it's under control and, you know, hopefully it's coming soon because uh, I certainly can't sit home and watch War and SmackDown. I need to, I need to get out of the house. (laughs) So, um, the, 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 the finish it off, is there anything you, do you have anything you want to ask me out of curiosity before we... Sure. Um, let me think now. How would, so this, this uh, kind of comes back to what I'm doing. How would you, as somebody younger and more tech savvy than me, get the word out on a quality show that you're doing? How would I get the word out? So usually what I do is like, I, I'm a, I'm into this thing. I'm into like going to like conventions, you know, like, like where like people dress up as characters and things and they go to conventions, you know, like yeah. I, I got those things. So I have business cards and I hand those out, but pretty soon after this whole pandemic's over, I'm going to be buying, um, I'm going to get these, these, like these, these trading, like these baseball card looking things made. And they're gonna have my social media on the back, so I can handle. Well, what do you do? What do you do meanwhile during the pandemic? Let's say this pandemic, you're stuck. You're, you're basically stuck home the next six months, one year, whatever the case may be. How would you promote your show using your tech savvy? I uh, I usually go on Facebook, and I and I and I join a bunch of like podcast groups, and I just throw like like Hey, I got a podcast. Check me out. Like you know, I I don't. Like, like, I don't do this really long description. I just, like, I just, I just tell them, like, what I do, what kind of podcast it is, uh, and hopefully they enjoy, like, my form, like, like, because, you know, for me, it's just like a, I'm flying off to see my pants sort of thing, you know? Oh, yeah, well, I respect that, because when somebody has a list of 20 questions, and they're reading off of a list, it could be numbing. So, uh, yeah, I respect that you're, you know, you're rolling with it. Yeah, that's the way to do radio or TV or whatever you would call this. Yeah, well, I mean, this is all like, like, I don't know if I, I forgot to tell you before we start recording, but this, but like, it's an audio recording. So like, oh, it's not on, uh, it's not on video. Yeah, that's fine, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We can, we can, we can make those DJ dreams come true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever works for you. Um, and why do you prefer, why do you prefer that? Um, audio over video yeah because audio if you're like sitting in like because it's audio when you're like sitting in your car and you're going somewhere you can listen to my podcast still right 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 like it's like it's like when you do video i mean yeah i mean i could i i technically this whole time could have recorded video of every single interview i done whatever but um but half the time people don't want to show up on camera so and they don't want to just see me talking to. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I I I do my show on um, on Skype and it's on video and you know looking at three guys' heads for an hour isn't that exciting, but <laughs> but for whatever reason, um, my engineer just prefers it. I don't like I don't even know the tech the tech reasons, but he just prefers it and uh, you know we roll with it. 
but but uh, but audio only it's the best way because any because the, if it's audio only people can listen to it anytime they can listen to it in their car they can listen to it while they're doing stuff they, right, right 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 no i yeah. understand i understand yeah, yeah so I, you know i wish you luck with the show and you know thanks for taking the time out and talking with me uh now i feel like i'm interviewing you <laughs> Yeah, it's like well, we switched roles. Well, well, if you ever, well, if you ever, if you're doing something, you want to have me on, I'll, I'll be down to be the, be on there if you yeah. like me. So you do cosplay? Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm very, I'm like, I'm sort of working on it. It's like I'm sort of getting there. <laughs> I know, I know some New York Ghostbusters guys. Uh, they've done my show, and uh, yeah, various cosplayers. It's interesting. I mean, uh, it's an art like anything else. Yeah. I respect I respect anything that's done artfully. You know, anything that's artful is an art. So uh I've I've had on drag queens, drag kings, cosplayers, uh you know, anybody that's interesting, you know, interesting guest, yeah. Yeah, I love I love the cosplay. I love cosplay, man, it's awesome. Uh, and obviously the Ghostbusters are obviously, you know, makes sense in New York because they're from New York. So. Yeah, these guys are called New York Ghostbusters. Randy Unger, uh, he does a show out here also. Yeah, look, you only go around once. Do what you enjoy. Whatever works. Um, and, the, and the opposite extreme, if something is not enjoyable, you know, like people tell me every week, they go, uh, I sit through Raw, it's horrible and oh my god so i'm like well why are you sitting through three hours of it if you're not enjoying it you know so um i guess i'll do my outro and i'll let you do yours um well i want to thank everyone here for showing for listening to episode 108 a cyber time bite um you can find me on facebook at cyber time bite you can follow me on twitter at nostalgia vamp you can buy my merchandise at redbubble.com under Crash Steven Gear, where even you know that the spork is the most powerful of them all. You like the spork, don't you? You New Yorkers love the spork. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> yeah. The, the spoon and the fork put together. Oh, okay. Okay. You love it. You love it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, how about you? Where can uh, people find you and all your stuff? Uh, wrestling and everything coast to coast on YouTube. Um, check out wrestling then and now the movie on Amazon prime, check out 350 days, 350 days, the movie.com Bret Hart, superstar, Billy Graham, Greg Valentine, Tito Santana, three dozen legends. Um, yeah, you know, check out Evan Ginsburg's old school wrestling memories on Facebook. And uh, you know, I'm not hard to find. E V A N G I N Z B U R G, and uh, pro wrestling stories, pro wrestling post, gorilla position, tons of articles you can read. Uh, leaning more towards history, but not always. Well, um, I had a great time with you. You're 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 so interesting to talk to. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, Same thanks. to you. Same to you. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. No problem. So, okay. so for everyone listening, I hope all of you have a great day. Have a good one.